Now, get ready to spend the next two hours with our three sports-loving ladies, Lauren Brooks, Taylor Dahl, and Mia O'Brien. This is Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Well, y'all, last week I said I miss Victory Tuesday. This week, all I have to say is I don't remember what Victory Tuesday feels like. <laughs> it's it only been, been three so weeks, long. Lauren. But three very long weeks, Mia. You know, you come in on Mondays, you see social media, you see the text line. It is a challenge to try and keep everyone rational right now. When you lose three in a row, you lose two to backup quarterbacks, and the way you lost Sunday night my goodness, it is uh, not going well in Duval right now. Yeah, and it, it, I'm glad you brought up, you know, some of our friends out there on uh, social media and the text line that certainly act like the sky is falling. And then you have Doug Peterson at the mic yesterday meeting with reporters, 24-hour rule, and saying that we need to find the good. And finding the good is the only way that you can coach up players mired in this three-game losing streak right now. We can do that. We can find the good. Uh-huh. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins played well. Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker. Hey, JJ we'll get got to, the impact player of the game. Right. No question about JJ it. Walker, JJ Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Trayvon Walker, also known as JJ Walker, played well. And they even acknowledged that on the broadcast. They were like, Trayvon's been getting better throughout the season. They're kind of, he's doing what the Jags expected him to do. Maybe it was at a little slower pace than people wanted him to. But knowing you were signing a guy that is not a full on pass rusher, but able to make impact in other areas and they went on about it for a minute on Trayvon Walker so that was good to hear I'm sure for a lot of Jags fans yes and also Jamal Agnew Mm -hmm. he played really well I thought his return would make a significant impact I didn't realize last week when we were picking impact players whether or not he'd be back yet they'd open the 21 window later but that's about uh, that's about all the positive I I guess Logan Cook punted well so two out of the three special teams players played well sure Ross played with the back injury but I mean it's really sad that on offense we can't come up with a whole lot because yeah. the Jaguars only scored seven points. Yeah, and uh, when when that happens and when you have the opportunity to have many more points than that and several times during the game, yep. it is. It is. It, it starts to get frustrating, and I feel like I mention this every week. It's just not the offense you thought you were going to see, and I was hoping that each week when I said that, the next week it would happen. Yeah. Um, But there's just been a lot of bad mistakes all season long. Uh, They were able to overcome them in several games early in the season that they could have possibly lost. But we were like, it's fine because they're winning. And now they're not because those mistakes are hurting them uh, like they they honestly should hurt some teams. And they got away with some stuff earlier. So I I see the frustration for a lot of people. Um, You're just waiting for that offense to feel like, okay, you have your – quarterback of the future and you do have weapons and then now what's happening is it almost feels like you're going backwards because you also lost someone like Christian Kirk and that's super unfortunate at this point here's some good for you Lauren okay good among the nine rookie offensive tackles with at least 100 pass Mm -hmm. snaps you're right he is a positive Anton Harrison number one in pass pro number one in pass pro in true passing sets no RPO screens any of that number two in wins above replacement number one in blown block percentage in not blown, like blown, like not that right. he blew it, but that he pushed the guy all the way back in pass pro. Yeah, I think he, unfortunately for Anton Harrison, the rookie right tackle, he's not going to get a lot of love right now because overall, as an offensive line, they're not able to 
whether it's create holes in the run game or protect Trevor long enough or, you know, all that stuff gets mixed in. And so no one focuses on any of the positive of the line. Yeah. They focus on all the negative, which is not Anton's fault. That's the interior of the line. And look, let's be honest, they missed. They yeah. missed on parts of the offensive line. And as much as we've talked ad nauseum about how they missed on the pass rush at times, the defense has been okay. For the majority of the season, the mm-hmm. defense has either been above average or excellent. They have the, what, 25 takeaways. They are tied with San Francisco with the most takeaways in the entire league. Number one, tied for first. But they have 24 giveaways. And that's the massive problem is you are not able to win football games when you're giving the ball away. Yeah, and when you are when you're not able to get points, get six points off of those takeaways, it hurts too, and we've seen that a lot. It's great if your defense can get the take the ball away. Bears defense is right behind them with that, and they can't score. So mm-hmm. once you get that, you have to take advantage of those moments when your defense is constantly getting getting you the ball back. You've got to score, and the, the Jags can't do that right now. So it doesn't really matter what the defense is doing until they figure it out. Yeah, so I have a cousin who's a diehard Jags fan who lives in Colorado, and every single game I get, a, if, we, if the Jaguars are losing, I get a slew of negative texts. Like, I'm <laughs> if I could just read them, but there's usually some cuss words in there, so mm-hmm. I can't read them on air. But lately, her focus has been on Brandon McManus. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. She wants to cut him. <laughs> and I try and talk her down, and then he misses the first kick. Yeah. And then I try and talk her down, and then he misses the second kick. And I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe not saying we should cut him. But maybe there should be a little competition at that point, at this point in time in the season, because things are not going according to plan. And I was a big, big Brandon McManus fan once he became a Jack. Look, I mean, the the first one there obviously is the question of roughing the passer. It also roughing the kicker, yeah. roughing the kicker. Sorry, yeah. Ruff, roughing the kicker. And obviously, it, you know, it goes off the upright. It's a windy mm-hmm. night. It happens. Mm-hmm. The other one, look at it this way: it was a fifty-five yard attempt. Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker who has ever lived, arguably. I don't actually think there's an argument. And John Harbaugh said, mm, in that win, going in that direction, yeah, we're going to pass on that. The Jags opted to try Brandon McManus, which, hey, scare money don't make money, so I appreciate it. But <laughs> Now you're mixing two bad football yeah, teams I know, that I right? follow. <laughs> exactly. But obviously it didn't pay off, and he hooks it, even though it probably had the distance. So, yeah, it's – it stinks that he's missed like what four of the last seven or four of the last six or something like that. I think some of it is circumstantial, but obviously it's something that needs to be cleaned up. What I was going to bring up, did you see this promotion that the Ravens have in conjunction with McDonald's? I have not Mm -mm. seen that. I don't know who came up with this idea slash what the odds of it actually hitting were, but this was tweeted by the Ravens on Sunday night. With those two missed field goals in the first half, you get a free 10-piece of McNuggets tomorrow. Stop by any Baltimore-area McDonald's location for your free nuggets with a minimum $1 purchase. So McDonald's is capitalizing on McManus's no, lack of I success? No, I think just their field goals. They just, yeah, they just had it. If the, if the opposition misses two field goals, you get a free piece of 10-piece McNuggets, which is ironic because, yes, his name is Brandon McManus. Okay, that's where I th- yeah. thought they were going. No, but... it, I think it's – I mean, how could they have planned for that? Yeah. You know, that would be that's insane. True. Taylor, did you see what Brandon McManus – and I'm not picking on him, but did you see what he was wearing I did not. ahead of the game? So D-Rock, ESPN's Mike DiRocco, comes up to me in the press box, and I have, and Taylor, I know you've seen it. Mia, you saw me in the press box wearing it. I have this, this it's like a jacket slash sweatshirt. I don't know what you call it, but it's very fuzzy. Mm-hmm. I really look like my dog, honestly, like when I wear it. It's Yeah, yeah. it's like a tan color, yeah, yeah. yes. And I have a golden doodle, and he's super mm-hmm. furry. That's why I look like my dog, for people who don't know. So it's like extremely furry, and then I'm wearing black pants and shoes, whatever. 
D Rock's like, McManus is dressed or was dressed exactly like you <laughs> for today's game. And so I pull up the picture and his is gray, but it literally, like, we looked like twins. <laughs> that is funny. And I was like, oh, maybe that'll bring him some good luck, you know? <laughs> no, unfortunately. Maybe not. you should have kicked because you made some <laughs> with Scobie. <that> one. <laughs> yeah, like one. <laughs> Kicking is a lot harder. And I, I know, played soccer for years. Kicking is a lot harder oh, than yeah. I ever thought because. The trajectory of the ball when you're kicking a field goal is so yeah. incredibly different than you're taught kicking a soccer ball. Uh, all right. I guess we have to get to the elephant in the room, so to speak, and that would be, considering we just talked about the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, will he, will he not play? Mia O'Brien, take it away. Yes. The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The liner shocked me there. Ooh. <laughs> Nicely done. JJ was done. ready for it. JJ he knew was what was coming. at the ready. Um, so let's obviously begin with Trevor Lawrence still in the concussion protocol. Um, he self-reported the concussion. Doug Peterson believed he suffered it on one of the three scrambles on the Jaguars' final drive in the fourth quarter. I know that there's plenty of Twitter doctors out there speculating, did he suffer it earlier? Did they just not catch it? There obviously is an independent neuro neurologist, neurologist up in the booth, so they are obviously paying attention to players for potential symptoms of a concussion. Trevor self-reported. Because of that, he didn't speak to reporters, so I'm not sure when and if we will ever get the full story on that front. But obviously he has to pass through certain barriers of the concussion protocol before he can actually be cleared to play to those of you who say oh my goodness he's not going to be ready for Sunday there are several examples this season of players that were able to have the independent neurologist clear them in time that included Amari Cooper against the Jaguars of course um, Mm -hmm. as well as Brock Purdy um, who suffered a concussion and was able to play the following Sunday so not out of the question that he will obviously yeah that he would be able to play on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, some other injuries. Zay Jones suffered a hamstring injury, is officially considered day-to-day. Obviously, he had not one but two knee injuries earlier this season, and so that will be a situation worth monitoring. Doug Peterson called it not good-looking um, and quite bad uh, when they at least saw it on the field, and so hopefully we'll have a further update on Zay. Yeah. Tomorrow. Um, Walker Little with the hamstring. Ezra Cleveland with the knee. Both did give it a go on Sunday. Andre Sisco with the groin injury. Tyson Campbell with the quad did not. We'll be curious to see the status of those two players. Brenton Strange was questionable for the game with a foot injury that he suffered against excuse me, prior to the Monday night football game against the Bengals. Uh, the Jaguars are 0-3 without Brenton Strange, by the way. So uh, That is true. That, that's a storyline worth monitoring. We thought it was Christian Kirk. We thought it was Trey Herndon. Maybe it's Maybe Brenton Strange, Strange. Because I'm, Walker, I mean, Walker, Blake Hans has to keep reporting his eligible. Right. Maybe that mm-hmm. throws them all off. Because otherwise they're trotting Josh Peterson out there. And you saw in 13 personnel when they hit, you know, when Trevor hits Luke Farrell up the seam for that 30-yard gain. I do think there is something to having multiple tight ends and maybe only carrying three has kind of come back to haunt the Jags a little bit. And so that'll obviously be a situation worth monitoring. Is Tebow available? And, mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yeah, he's somewhere here in town. He's <laughs> running a new soccer program, so potentially. Uh, we discussed Jamal Agnew activated off the reserve mm-hmm. injured list. We'll be curious to see if the rookie Christian Braswell, who has been practicing, will also be activated off that injured list. Um, but those, those are the injuries for now. Oh, that's all <laughs> that's so all. far outside of Ross Matisic with a back injury. That he didn't practice Friday, but he seemed to be okay on Sunday. I was worried about him because he had suffered the back injury earlier in the season and did miss a couple. I think it was last just year. preseason. The end of last year. 
Earlier this year. Oh, he did? Yeah, he had a back injury, and I think he missed a couple preseason games. Yeah, I think it's just a right? matter of pain tolerance for his back. So, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, that was the that was his shoulder. Oh, that shoulder. Was a shoulder. Yeah, because he made a tackle in the preseason. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. The back was last year Okay, well. that's what I yep. remember. So, but aside from aside from Trevor and Zay, no significant injuries, knock on wood, It suffered. did feel like the Ravens were dropping like flies. Uh, pun intended, I guess. They're yeah. birds, and they not fly. flies. Yeah. But, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but... It felt like to a certain point, I was like, okay, unlike against the Bengals, the Jaguars are having at least a little bit healthier of a game. And then Zay, and, and it's right in front. He, yeah. he was right in front of that sideline, is right in front of where me and I are. And he, as soon as that ball was overthrown, were you downstairs at that point in time? No, or you still it was upstairs? right before. Okay. So, because Mia leaves to go downstairs uh-huh. to the locker room before the end of the game. And he came up limping. And I was like, oh, oh no. Oh, no it's right. That's all, folks. Yeah. So I wonder, I mean, yeah. Hopefully he can give it a go soon. I certainly doubt he's going to be available for this Sunday just based off of, like you said, the way Doug Peterson answered the question. And he, Doug, I feel like every coach is a little bit different when it comes to injuries. And Doug, I feel like, is an optimist. You know, by, mm-hmm. like last week on Friday, he was like, yeah, we'll see about Trey and, and Tyson. And he probably thought they weren't going to give it a go, but he was optimistic. Yeah. Like, well, just maybe. And some coaches are the opposite. But either way. We shall see it, tomorrow once the practice report comes out if Trevor Lawrence is out there and who else is out there with him. That was there was one point during the game too during the broadcast where they popped up and they were like Trevor Lawrence has never missed a game for injury in college or the pros and yeah. then they like threw up a graphic. I was like, don't. I know why he's been dealing with a lot <laughs> already. Like that's the problem. But yeah, I'm with you. Don't jinx him. No. Just like McManus, I feel like everyone was like, oh, he's made 18 yeah. in a row, and then yeah. All right, we will keep it on the Jaguars. Coming up next, you're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyrell at Untenton XL and 92.5 FM. Helmets and Heels on 1010XL, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans. Mia O'Brien, Taylor, Dahl, JJ Silva. I am Lauren Brooks. We are Helmets and Heels with you until 8 o'clock. This is the part of the show JJ has been waiting for for days yeah, because we are going to review our impact players against the Ravens and I think his impact player hit for maybe the first time all season at least on defense uh, we will start with our offensive players Mia chose Evan Ingram how would you evaluate that I mean Choice? he didn't get a catch until or a target he wasn't targeted excuse yeah. me until about 10 minutes into or excuse me with 10 minutes to go in the second, second quarter, quarter yeah. um, which is a bit of a concern because he's probably your best skill player, best mm-hmm. receiving player without Christian Kirk out there and with Zay Jones essentially running on one leg. Um, finished with four catches for 28 yards on six targets. I, I think you need to get him the ball more, especially with that, you know, multiple tight end set that we mentioned with Luke Farrell. Um, can that open things up if you're going to bring Blake Hansen and make him eligible so you bring that extra offensive lineman? And I think you need to find ways to get Evan Ingram the ball to move the chains because so often we saw like third and short and once again, the Jags are opting to go for broke as opposed to, hey, just get the yardage to move the chains and live to see another down. It, the third and short or the fourth and short, whatever it ends up being, is so frustrating. I mean, you see teams get that easily, and I don't just mean the Eagles, but teams get it easily because they can run the football and they can mm-hmm. run the football between the tackles or they're creative and they can get the ball out quickly. And, and either way, yeah, it's been that's been, I would say, if you were to ask me, one thing that's been the biggest disappointment this season, I would probably say the short yardage situation. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, JJ had Calvin Ridley. How would you evaluate Calvin? 
Uh, he had a touchdown, I guess, that could have been, yeah. but that really didn't matter, honestly. JJ mm-hmm. referred Another to it on primetime yesterday. He goes, did he have his five catches for 50 yards? Yeah. And I go, five for 39 yards. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, certainly you could put Calvin Ridley in that conversation of what's been the biggest disappointment, but. Oh, he's in there. Yeah, I. It doesn't seem like he's going to figure it out this season. Every week we all keep hoping, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe this is the game. And after last week when a week ago now they had the – Trevor and Calvin kind of had that, you know, situation on the field against the Browns. Like you thought, okay, maybe now they're finally going to figure things out. Mm-hmm. But uh, no. still not yet. Yeah. And it's certainly – he's a disappointment if you thought the yardage that he said in training camp was <laughs> going to be accurate. Yards. Yeah, 1,400 uh, I think some people were more realistic because he hadn't played in two years, and those are the people who would probably say Calvin's been a fine addition, but mm-hmm. there have been issues. Uh, I went with Parker Washington. He had four catches for 12 yards and caught the ball. As much as people want to blame Trevor for that pass right before halftime, and I understand, but also why is there a route that's short of the end zone in a situation like that when you're running out of time? Well, like, especially when Doug Peterson then tried to defend it yes. yesterday and said it was the same set up as the Marvin Jones touchdown to go ahead, well, to, to tie the game mm-hmm. against the Ravens last year. And he was even like, you kind of got to get out of bounds there. I'm like, wow, are we really <laughs> blaming the right. rookie wide receiver for Correct. knocking it out of bounds? Yeah. He shouldn't have even it been, shouldn't have been the, the route ball. that he's running. Right. Well, he also, even if that was the play called, if they had clocked it, he at least would have had time to like set his feet, get his bearings, and be like, okay, this is the play. Yeah, I you almost wanted Parker Washington like you saw who was it? Was it Cooper Cup for the Rams during a special teams play the onside kick that he just batted the ball out of bounds? Yeah. Like you almost wanted Parker Washington yeah. just bat the ball out of bounds in that situation, but yeah, situational football was not good uh, in addition to lots of other things on Sunday night against the Ravens and then Taylor your opposing player on offense was Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I will say of all players I've seen in person in college to mm. now several years in the NFL, I think he's grown the most. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think I honestly don't even think Lamar played like his best game, to be honest with you. I he mean, didn't he, need to. Yeah. I, <laughs> but when you let someone ru- your quarterback, a quarterback rush almost 100 yards on you, there's de- he's doing something right. Um, but there was definitely, especially the first quarter, there were moments where I was like, OK, like there's a chance here because Lamar, he would run, but there wasn't much beyond that. And then you kind of saw it uh, pick up. But, yeah, I think when you're looking at a whole of what Lamar Jackson's done from the start of his career to now, especially with every all of the talk that had happened every mm-hmm. single year with him not being a quarterback, being a running back, like I'm putting that in air quotes. Yeah, um, he definitely you, you're seeing more and more from Lamar. And he's just he's hard. It's hard to face somebody who can do both of what he's able to do. And this is a whole different conversation. But that's what obviously Bears fans are hoping for Justin Fields yeah. is to evolve into yeah. a player like Lamar. I will say there was one time that I clocked him for five and a half seconds once he started to evade pressure. Mm-hmm. He had at least that time. There were other times I'm sure he had even more time. It was insane. And oh. again, the pass rush wasn't terrible, but no. that's just what he does. And there was one, they were clocking it on one of the plays, I think in the either late first or early second quarter where the TV had the counter mm-hmm. and it was almost 12 seconds that he had 12? the ball. That he was just running back and forth, ran up, came back, then oh, ended boy. up. I can't remember what ended up coming out of the play. I think, I think it was like an eight yard pickup. Pa- yeah, it was something he, like, like ran that. all the way to one side and then ran all the way back yeah Yeah. where I was like you saw Jalen Hurts make a similar play last night by the way and then he only ran for I think like a yard or two yeah that's what happens when you have the flu though versus Lamar was fairly healthy well actually did he 
He had the flu he like a week flu, and a half Yeah, ago. that's what I thought. So yeah. he's fully through it. We've all, right. all had it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on defense, uh, I went with Foye Luikan. He had eight tackles, one quarterback hit. Look, I think Foye every single game plays as hard as he can, as mm-hmm. smart as he can. There's just not a whole lot you can do like we just talked about when the quarterback is going to be able to do that. And you also have to worry about the run game, which the Ravens were able to establish the run uh, and feel so bad for Keaton Mitchell. Uh, What was interesting, Taylor, is watching it live, seeing Dewey hit him. I didn't think anything of it. Then he went down and I was like, hmm, I wonder what that is. And then we all turned our attention to the television, Mm -hmm. which in the press box, it's about 20 seconds delayed from game action. And then it, literally there was an audible gasp in the press box from every single person who watched that yeah. play because you knew, like, yeah. he's done for the season. Mm-hmm. It was unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, so I went with Foyer. Mia, you went with Dewey Wingard. Yeah, well, he made that play. He did. Obviously. Um, and he had a he, ton of tackles. He also earned he an the Oscar nomination, <laughs> um, which was he fantastic. Because so. he started the, the skirmish, if yeah. you will. Right, exactly. And, and the flop of all flops. Um, I, I was, that hair flowing. <laughs> I was surprised given the three safety look and Antonio Johnson was on the field a good bit as well. I was surprised that the Jags and Rayshon Jenkins had a sack mm-hmm. off a of blitz, which obviously is freed up by having more guys in the secondary. I was surprised that they weren't able to contain the run quite as well as they did in this matchup one year ago. Um, I think part of that is that Lamar Jackson has evolved as a, as a thrower. Yeah. And while, yes, he only threw for 171 yards – I just think he's so much more of a threat to throw, and this Ravens team can do other things. They actually have receivers. They they have a you know a, a speedy back in Mitchell, yep. which they didn't have previously. And they so, have Zay Flowers, who basically had one target all game, which one was catch. crazy. Yeah. One yeah. catch for seven yards on two two targets, which that's a two massive targets. win for that secondary for the yeah. Jags. And maybe it was circumstantial. Maybe it was great coverage. And so, uh, yeah, so the kudos to Dewey in the secondary because at the very least, they did shut down that passing attack. I was just surprised with that three safety look. They weren't able to stop the run quite as much as they probably expected to. Well, and think- without the Dewey penalty dive. Right. Oh, yeah. That the Jags wouldn't have had enough time on the clock <laughs> to make that <laughs> blunder that we've been talking about all week. That's I mean, that's just content. Point. Thank you, Dewey. That's right. We needed to be able to break down the end of yes, half that I feel like high school like, teams can do better. Because they scored on the next play, but the clock wasn't running, so the Jags right. still had opportunity is. Yeah. We would have never gotten that Parker Washington play. Yeah, I will say that I think Lamar, when you look at his numbers passing-wise against the Jaguars, it's a little skewed because he didn't need to throw to win, right? Like, that game was – it wasn't in hand until the fourth quarter, but had he needed, I feel like, to, you know, make the third and ten type of passing situations, uh-huh. like I think he would have been able to do that. He just wasn't forced into that later in the game because it, it got away from the Jaguars. All right, JJ, the moment you've been waiting for. Trayvon Walker, how did he play? He got a sack. I want to thank Josh Allen. to kind of pushed the pile a little bit, but it was a great sack. It and any time you can get Lamar Jackson on the ground is good. Um, yeah, I thought he looked good. Uh, I, yeah, I agree. I think he's at six sacks now on the season. Um, a half sack back of... Aiden Hutchinson. We won't talk about the Giants defensive end who was also drafted that year, but uh, pretty good so far. Yeah, I mean, Trayvon I think Walker. that's that's a, certainly an improvement, and with yeah. three to play, he could add to that. Uh, I wonder who you'll pick for your defensive impact player. We got to stay on brand. <laughs> uh, all right, and Taylor, you picked Roquan Smith, who yeah. some people think ended up uh, when Trevor s- tried to scramble at the very end that he ended up giving Trevor concussion. I don't, yeah. know, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'd, and uh, Roquan. I mean, he's a powerful human being, and that's one of the things. Like, you didn't see anything I th- 
crazy out of this game because he does have games where he's constantly in the quarterback's face, and that wasn't one of these. Um, but he's just – you kind of feel like you see him a lot in the games in different moments. He's one of those guys that's able to find the ball and where the ball's at. Um, but I would say, like, I mean, he played good. He played – not awesome, but good. Yeah, but obviously – Hopefully he did not give a concussion to – Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that he needed to play that – Great, because, yeah. again, the Jaguars offensively scored one touchdown. All right, we are going to pick impact players now coming up for Sunday's game, Christmas Eve, at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Mia, kick things off with your offensive player. Yes, uh, I'm going to go a bit rogue on this one. Oh, uh, I like it. I don't know if uh, he will make a positive impact, but I think he may be one of the most important guys on the field on Sunday, and that is Luke Fortner, because ah. uh, he's got a matchup with Vita Vea, and yeah. – uh, Good luck with that one, buddy boy. So if he can step up, I know Jaguar fans would be oh so happy. Very happy. I will go with Jamal Agnew because I think not just special teams, but now that the Jaguars, I assume, will be down Zay Jones, I think Agnew is a a key piece to this offense. And hopefully he can have the defense bust another coverage and be that wide open uh, again against the Bucs. Either way, I just think he's a crucial, even if it is a touchdown return, uh, a return for a touchdown, I think he's a crucial player in Sunday's game against the Buccaneers. JJ. CJ Beathard. Ah. I hope they don't need you, but I'm getting a bad feeling that they might. Ooh, Just okay. be ready. Be yeah. ready, Siege. <laughs> CJB. Yeah. Oh, I, I like that's that. That's what they call him out in the Midwest. Okay. I I feel like him dressing up as Trevor Lawrence for Halloween, yeah, oh, it may oh end up coming God. to Maybe? fruition. That's hilarious. Yeah, and his wife <laughs> dressed as Marissa, Trevor's wife, which is, or his fiance, whatever. Doesn't matter. All right. Uh, Taylor, I'll come back to you at the end, okay. and then I will go, Mia, who's your defensive player? My defensive player will be Rayshon Jenkins. Oh, yeah. Good because one. Because I think he'll be critical in that in that um, in the run defense like he was this past week because I think he'll crowd the box. But I do think that the Bucks, for as much as many people want to label them as getting old quickly, mm-hmm. um, they do still have plenty of weapons and – I think they have a couple of young ascending tight ends, and we know uh, how much the Jaguars have struggled in covering tight ends. And so between that and Mike Evans, who's basically a tight end light, I think that he will be called upon quite a bit. Yeah, Mike Evans certainly scares me, which is why I'm going to go with Darius Williams because mm-hmm. I don't know if Tyson Campbell will be available, but Darius Williams has played certainly very well most of the season. I think he's got going to have his hands full between Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, and again, we'll see if, if Tyson Campbell is able to play. JJ, you got Trayvon Walker. I do. All right. And Taylor, <laughs> you're opposing offensive and defensive players for the Bucs. Uh, so offensive, I will say Mike Evans. Uh, he has Smart. over 1,000 yards already. He averages 16.3 yards of reception, um, He, which is the only guys better than that right now are Brandon Ayuk, DK Metcalf, and Nico Collins. And so he's right up there at the top. And Nico's one of the ones that we talked about a lot earlier uh, in the season when it comes to those Texans matchup. But he has 11 touchdowns, second most, four receivers just behind Tyreek Hill. Uh, so he's definitely the guy that Baker's most comfortable with. And that, that shows very obviously. So that's going to be a big one this week, especially now because Godwin's kind of been missing all season. And the last couple games you've seen Godwin kind of start getting a little bit more connection with Baker Mayfield, which opens up more opportunities for Mike Evans, possibly. And defense? And defense, I will say, uh, Winfield. Okay. Uh, 
safety, obviously, 107 tackles, but he also has four sacks, four tackles for loss, 11 passes defended, two interceptions, and five forced fumbles. So he's another one of those guys that just constantly knows where the ball is, and it's such an important thing when it comes to those safeties because that's why he's able to get to the quarterback sometimes. He's able to – he's really good at getting the ball out of guys' hands, and Jaguars clearly have a fumbling problem. So definitely uh, somebody to keep an eye on. All right, uh, I agree, and I heard you in the handoff say that you might have to stop picking doing opposing this. players. So if this doesn't work this weekend, someone. I might have to switch it again. Yeah, and, and for the last couple, we will change it up. Yeah. We are not afraid to uh, <laughs> to change it up around here. All right, when we come back, we will go around the NFL. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyrell at Untention XL and 92.5 FM. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Tis the holiday season, so you know what? Let's go ahead and take care of some people. We are giving away a pair of tickets to the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. That means Clemson, Tyler Shatley, Trevor Lawrence, (laughs) Travis Etienne, going up against Josh Allen in Kentucky. So Clemson versus Kentucky at Everbank Stadium comes up Friday, December 29th. Kickoff is at noon. If you want to be the lucky winner for the pair of tickets, be called number 4 641 Call number 4 641 That is a great prize. Definitely. To give away this holiday season. By the way, December 29th is my mom's birthday. If Florida had made a bowl game, Uh-oh. again, big if, I think had Florida gotten to six wins, I think Florida would have been in the Gator Bowl. Yeah. Even though most teams probably need more like seven wins, eight wins, but I think Florida would have been in the Gator Bowl. Which would have been ideal for Which being would have been, in this city. Absolutely. And had Florida gone, I would have made sure to get my mom tickets, and that's mm-hmm. how we would have celebrated right. her birthday. But yeah. as it is, Clemson versus Kentucky is not going to do it for my mom. <laughs> yeah. Dev, I And I kind of joked about it when we first when it was first announced because I was like, at least Trevor won't get booed this year because last year it was Notre Dame, South Carolina. When Trevor got put up on the video boards, all of the South Carolina fans were booing so loud that I was like, dang. I was like, that's kind of rude. <laughs> That is but I get rude, it. They're the college football fans. They do not like Trevor Lawrence. So. Yeah. and But I'm trying to think, like, who for Florida State or Georgia. Like, I don't I, – if I was at the game and let's say they put up Stetson Bennett, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have booed. Yeah. But I get it. South Carolina is always looking up to Clemson, and, and South Carolina was able to beat Clemson last year. So, you yeah. know what? Fans get to do whatever they want to do. All right, Taylor, what do you have going on in the NFL? Uh, so, similar to what I did last week because I think that – Looking forward at number one, maybe some of the matchups that the Jags have with Tampa Bay this weekend, but also uh, the division because the division is a lot closer than probably most people thought it was going to be for sure this time of year. It's getting so, a lot of people panic. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of panic, especially the way even the I think biggest surprise is the Colts. I I think that a lot of people were just like, "There's no way." Uh, And then when Anthony Richardson went down, people were kind of like, what is even going to happen now? And they've figured it out. And then Gardner Minshew's been playing actually pretty well, um, which is a little extra like push for the Colts. Uh, But I just wanted to look at maybe some of the things that they uh, it's from CBS Sports that they said they learned about certain teams from this last weekend. Uh, So I'm going to start with Tampa Bay because that's the game coming up. And all of these last three games are very important for the Jags. It's just going to be that. Uh, because you need to win. So Tampa Bay, I actually mentioned uh, Chris Godwin. So Chris Godwin finally got going this last game. Um, granted, Packers secondary was very beat up. It was without 
Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage both out. So it was probably a little easier to pick them apart. But still, he was able to have a big game and catapult the Bucks' offense. Godwin finished with 10 catches for 155 yards in the win, notching his first 100-yard game of the season. Godwin had more receiving yards on Sunday than he did over the past four games combined. He still has 68 catches for 814 yards, though. So it's not like he's had a terrible season. It's just not the season they usually get out of Godwin. Uh, but he's only had one touchdown, and that's what's kind of crazy. And so that when I kind of pointed out earlier that Mike be able to contain Mike Evans, but also Godwin is looking for those touchdowns. He's getting to that point now where he's like, all right, I figured it out. I can do it. Like Evan Let's, Ingram. Yes. But he now has two. Exactly. Um, so that's something I guess we have to look for. Are you more concerned about Mike Evans just having another massive game, or, or would you be concerned that Chris Godwin continues his breakout and finishes his season on a higher note? Well, I mean, Mike Evans is – I mean. Statistically speaking, and given his age, Mike Evans is what scares me more, especially because he's such a physical receiver, and mm -hmm. there are question marks regarding the physicality of this Jags team, I think, across the board right now, at least after the last three weeks. Um, plus, Chris Godwin's been so up and down when it comes to the injury front. So I would say Evans, but uh, the other side of the coin is Baker Mayfield has been Jekyll and Hyde at times this season. Mm -hmm. He can have a perfect passer rating against the Green Bay Packers, but he also has stunk it up at times, too, yeah. and given the ball away and been known to do so. And so I think that that'll play a big factor regardless of which receiver is actually the leading receiver for Tampa. Yeah. So Mike Evans in every season has had over 1,000 yards. He's already at over 1,000 yep, yards, yards, right? Yeah. Like, he is so incredibly solid and yeah. really talented. So dependable. Yeah. So he scares me. I mean, Godwin, like you said, had a big game last week, 10 catches for 155 yards. But Mike Evans, the guy that, to me – Almost every game he's going to have north of 50. Yeah. Yeah, when you look at even what Baker is able to do this season, it has been kind of a weird season for him, I feel like, because there are there have been ups and downs. But at the same time, he has 24 touchdowns and eight interceptions. It's pretty good. I think a lot of people would choose that for their quarterbacks. Already 3,300 yards. He's completing almost 64% of his passes on the season. It does help when you have the weapons that – Tampa does have, um, but you do have to give some credit to him because, like you said, he had perfect, perfect passer rating. It was the first quarterback mm -hmm. ever at Lambeau to be able to do that. I immediately screenshot and send that to some people. But <laughs> I'm uh, sure you were very happy with <laughs> how the Bucks played, and then you're like, oh, wait, dang, the Jaguars have to play them. By the way, yeah. the receiver conversation, I think, will be an interesting one this offseason for the Jaguars. Oh, yes. Not just so because, too. you know, do you keep Calvin Ridley, hope he gets better, but not pay him nearly as much as you, what you thought, and you're certainly not going to tag him all that. But I just mean overall, like mm -hmm. who else do they need to add to this group? Because the Jaguars don't have someone like we've seen all the, a lot of these other teams have. Yeah. But continue. Yeah, so uh, next I'm going to move on to the Colts. Just mentioning there, they have surprised a lot of people. And Gardner Minshew is able to win some games right now and put up some pretty big numbers. But what they said stands out the most is that the, the backup running backs just keep going. Um, and that's one thing that the Colts have been able to really rely on is their run game, which is helping not put so much pressure on their quarterbacks, I feel like. But obviously, Jonathan Taylor out with the finger injury. Zach Moss left the game with an arm injury. And then Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson kind of mixed it. And they're the number three and four running backs on the roster. They combined for 28 carries, 157 yards, averaged 5.6 yards a carry. Um, Sermon also had he had 17 carries and 88 yards. Goodson finished with 11 carries, 69 yards. Um, so they just said you have to give credit to the Colts offensive line and 
uh, the head coach for keeping this offense going without Taylor and Moss and the Colts averaging five yards a play. But in addition to that, Minshew went 18 for 28, 215, three touchdowns. How concerned are you about the Colts being right behind the Jags right now? I'm concerned because they're in perfect harmony right now. Yeah. Like there is such synergy between the play caller, the quarterback, and the offensive operation. I think that that is why you're seeing a team clicking and you're mm-hmm. seeing a team that said, hey, we don't have Anthony Richardson. A-OK. We, we will lean into the run game. We will utilize Gardner and the skill set that he does have. We're not going to ask him to do too much. Mm-hmm. We're going to dink and dunk you perhaps. But as we saw in that one drive, on that one drive in the second half on on Saturday, Saturday night, they ran the ball 10 straight times. Yeah. They literally just ran it all the way down the field. <laughs> At one point during Sunday night's game here in Jacksonville, um, I sit in the press box next to Gus and uh, Dylan Denmark, Pockets for those of you um, who listen to Jaguars today, and Pockets literally goes, can can the Jags just be like the Colts and just run it 10 times after the first two runs, gash them, mm-hmm. gash the Ravens? And it looked pretty. Yeah. And you see the Philadelphia Eagles do it week in and week out. And so it can be done, and I think it speaks to, again, when – the offensive play caller knows the personnel and says, how can I put you in the best in the best position possible? And that's what you're seeing in Indianapolis. They have a good offensive line. That's yeah. how you run the football. It's not yeah. just the good running back. It's the good offensive line. We saw that the Titans didn't have a good offensive line this year. It's it's what has hurt Derrick Henry, and it's why the Titans, I think, are out of the postseason already. They are. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I think they are. It not is pretty uh, remarkable, though, Lauren, because this is, I mean, this is the same exact offensive line from last year for Indianapolis. So what changed? Yeah, Shane Steichen. Yeah, yeah that's what I was about to <laughs> that's, say. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, if you, if you, here, I'm going to pull up their Pro Football Reference right now. Like, if you look at this roster, I mean, people were talking about Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly being mm-hmm. washed yep. this time a I year ago, that. and that, like, it was over, and like those guys were never going to do anything. And now here we are, and it's like, oh, well. They had Matt Ryan as a quarterback, too, which doesn't help. Yeah, there's yeah. also that. Your, I mean, your quarterback I, being mobile really does help your offensive line, too. And I think just looking at the game that the Jags just played shows that running the ball can work because they had 42 carries but only 14 receptions in that game. And they you run the ball, and I, I think some people get scared of that because they're like, then it becomes so predictable. But also, when you are on your eighth straight run, most people, most defenses are probably like, okay, they have to pass at some point. <laughs> the Ravens, I thought, did a good job of that, too. Like, yeah. They, I feel like we're smart. They were like, all right, Lamar, just hand it off at this yeah. point in time because we're able to get success and stay ahead of the chains. Yeah. So I'm looking at, this is from opening day last year, which obviously things changed after that for the Colts. Um, from opening day, I'm looking at their roster today versus their roster then. Um, the left tackle. Back then was or the right tackle, excuse me, was Braden Smith. The right tackle today is Braden Smith. The one guard was Braden, not Braden, Will Fries. I only see one guard listed here, which must be a misprint. Um, I see obviously Ryan Kelly is the center. Ryan Kelly still the center. Quentin Nelson the left guard still the left guard. Uh, Bernhard Raymond, who was a draft pick last year out of Central Michigan, has taken over that left tackle spot. Um, back in the day, it was Matt Pryor. So that's really mm-hmm. from what I can see from last year to this year. I mean, the one guard spot and then the maybe the one tackle, but he was the backup before yeah. somebody else went down. But, a, I mean, a, the change of the guard, not the changing yeah. of the guard, but a change of the guard position can sometimes make a huge difference. Yeah. And maybe the center, too. I mean, not, no, Ryan the Keller's the same, same right? Yeah. But, like, I mean, here for the Jaguars, I've wondered, should Luke Fortner sit out for a little bit and have Tyler Shatley go in? Maybe he's, you know, battling stuff. I have no idea. But – they're not getting a good enough push in the interior. Maybe Sheriff should sit. We know Sheriff went out with an injury for a little bit during the game on Sunday night. Shatley came in. 
you've got to maybe mix something up. And again, the one position change might be what's helpful. By the way, this is what the Colts have to finish the season. They are at the Falcons, and the Falcons announced today that they're going to start Taylor Heineke at quarterback over Desmond Ritter. Then they've got the Raiders at home and then the Texans at home. So the Colts could lose all three. They could win all three. I have mm-hmm. no idea. Here we go. This is a better argument. Final game last year, the Colts beat the Texans, and the Texans – or no, the Texans won mm-hmm. because then they then the, yeah, Bears, the Bears – Yeah, yeah. the Bears got the number one overall pick. From left to right, Bernard Raymond was the starting left tackle in that finale. He is the starting left tackle currently. Quentin Nelson was the starting left guard. He is their starting left guard. Ryan Kelly, still the center. The right guard was Will Fries, Freeze, whatever it is. It is still Will Fries, Freeze, whatever it is. And Braden Smith, the right tackle. So one thing, obviously. That's insane to think that it's the same group, and yet now they are absolutely mauling people. So one thing I will say, obviously you taught you can address coaching, but I I think a lot of it is cohesiveness, and it takes some time for offensive lines to really start – working and clicking together. So the more time you have together, the more you, the better you're going to play most times, especially if you do have talent there. And that could be a part of it. They now had a pretty much full season all working together and really kind of figuring out that bond. And now they're able to run the ball really well because of it. Um, so I think those things all start to click because what you do notice are teams that are really struggling with injuries on the offensive line and things are getting shaken up is when it really starts to affect their lines um, just because they don't have that that guy they're used to standing by the the whole game. Well, and we don't talk, I feel like, nearly enough about the fact that Cam Robinson has been out, and I do think he provides so much leadership, even if he's not the rah-rah guy. Mm-hmm. But he's tough and nasty, and this offensive line doesn't have that without him. And yeah. so we talk about Christian Kirk, certainly the absence of him, and, and that's massive. Uh, and we've talked about Tyson Campbell being out for a while but with the hamstring. But I really think this offensive line misses Cam Robinson. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's in a little bit more of their place, yeah. you know, with Walker Little at left guard or, or whoever it ends up being. But, yeah, this offensive line, I forget the number, how many different combinations they've already had to use, but they've certainly had to shuffle stuff around. And Mia had the injury report in the first segment. Ezra Cleveland, I watched him play after play, came up limping almost and was yeah. like limping around almost every se- – never came out. Did it was Walker Little. Did it a Walker Little. Yeah. They both were gutting I mean, you could out. Yeah, you could tell. And like I said, Sheriff already went out, came back in during yeah. that game. Like it is – it has been obviously the biggest struggle this season. Yeah. I will say one more before yep. we hit break and because it's the Jags. So they are – Let's go. Um, <laughs> what they took out of this last game – is Trevor Lawrence fumbles are a major concern. You think? Uh, Lawrence had two costly fumbles in Sunday's loss to the Ravens. One was in the red zone and the other was deep in his own territory. Both mistakes gave the Ravens 10 points in the 23-7 win. Uh, Baltimore capitalized on the miscues to put points on the board. Lawrence has the second most fumbles among NFL quarterbacks since 2021 with 31. Uh, the recent turnovers for Lawrence could be in a uh, some caused from his ankle sprain, um, some difficulties surrounding that as he has five giveaways in the last two games and he suffered that ankle sprain two, game, two games ago. Regardless, Lawrence has to take care, better care of the football. I think you, everyone has to agree with that. Yeah, and I think it's a big reason why there's been so many comparisons to the three-game losing streak the Philadelphia Eagles are on because Jalen Hurts has 17 turnovers, Trevor has 18, mm-hmm. and for Jalen Hurts, that's more than he had combined the previous two seasons. So yeah. um, I think, yes, last night you can write it off as a flu game. For Trevor, the last two weeks, you can write some of it off as, well, the ankle, and now the, was he concussed? Um, but it's still not good enough to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that it's not all his fault. Uh, certainly the one where he's trying – it's third and 17, and he's trying to get as much as he can. Like, 
that is absolutely his fault. Mm-hmm. But there are other times that I think he is blindsided. And so that's more on the offensive line. And, mm-hmm. and so ball security, I'm sure he would tell you that's something that he worked on this offseason. And it just, unfortunately, certainly Sunday night against the Ravens, you can't you can't lose that ball, right? Yeah. Like you can't switch arms and, and yeah. you got to know better than that. And, and really at that point in time, just go down, slide. But I think... I, in my mind, he's still a very young player because I don't really put the Urban Meyer year as like a full real NFL year for him. So while he had playing time, don't get me wrong, I don't know that that was as helpful to him as a lot of other, like CJ Stroud's rookie year, I think is doing far more for him than Trevor ever had with Urban. And so to me, he's more of like still a very young, more in his like second year, uh, certainly his second year with Doug Peterson. Uh, By the way, do I remember this correctly or not? On the second fumble that Trevor had, did he hit the ground really hard? Do you remember? Because that's where I wonder. There was like the, a swarm of Right. That's ravens. where I wonder if the concussion came from was that second fumble and not when he had the run later. Some but people I think be wrong. I mean, there are some people who think it was the intentional grounding okay. even earlier in the third quarter. When okay. his head went off the Maybe yeah, that's third. what I – okay, that's what I remember was, yeah, on the right sideline. Yeah, or the right end zone. All right. Yeah. My theory is yeah. that when Dewey got hit so hard, <laughs> and when he hit the ground, it like shook the whole stadium and also <laughs> hurt Trev. That's a valid theory. Yeah. Secondhand yeah. concussion. It was. That's right. It was. I think it was gross intentional violence grounding. would happen to Dewey on Sunday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, I will say it was really sad leaving the stadium Sunday night. Now, granted, by the time I left, the majority of Jaguars fans had already left. But, like, walking to the car, there's usually at least, like, some people, like, it's okay, you know, like, mm-hmm. we got this next week, whatever, and everyone's still positive. And, like, there was just this kind of silence, like, this gloom over the parking lot in the stadium. And I was like, man. This- so you knew he had a concussion by the time you were leaving? No. Like, I, yeah, no. I, I was, like, waking up the next morning and reading it on ESPN. I'm like, damn. So I, got I didn't even home, realize. I got home yeah. and I was watching Doug's press conference from my house, which is – in Jacksonville Beach. So, again, I have now walked all the way down six flights of stairs, gone to my car, driven home. There wasn't much traffic, like I said. So, like, 45 minutes, I get in bed, and I'm watching the press conference, and that's when, at the very end, he he said about Trevor. Yes, uh, quite literally. Um, if not for a reporter asking with the final question of the night if it yeah. was a shoulder injury, yeah. um, because some people were speculating that was why he was struggling, um, and he missed a couple of throws and bounced a couple, and Doug just kind of murmured, yeah, he's in the protocol. Yeah. He's like, what? The shoulder protocol. I guess what? he self-reported. Yeah. So, I mean, good for him. And and like we said, hopefully he'll be all right. And if not, then JJ's impact player of CJ Beathard better play well on Sunday. Game. I trust him. I get it. I understand. He's been here a while. All right. Our bell ringers brought to you by Bellwether are coming up next. So keep it right here on 10 to Next on 92.5 FM. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Taylor Dalmio, Brian Jojo Selva, I am Lauren Brooks. We are Helmets and Heels with you until 8 o'clock. By the way, if I'm distracted over the next hour, it's because I'm watching the Florida men's basketball team take on Michigan in the Jumpman Invitational in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I'll keep you updated as we go. We got a nice double TV. We got uh, two That's ranked right. teams yeah. in Virginia and Memphis, also on TV number one at, at Memphis, too, which Memphis just knocked off previously unbeaten Clemson over the weekend. Oh, so yeah, you'll be watching both TVs. I'll be watching just one 
and of course, that's <laughs> my alma mater playing Michigan. Who Michigan in the past has been so good in basketball, men's basketball, but right now six and five, not nearly as good as uh, in previous years. Yeah, I mean, you can attribute some of that to the absence of Jawan Howard, mm-hmm. um, their head coach, who had open heart surgery earlier this fall. So Phil Martelli's been the head coach. It kind of okay. felt like. He was keeping the ship afloat. Um, they did lose, obviously, a couple of key pieces right. because, obviously, Hunter Dickinson transfers to Kansas. That's a huge loss um, to to someone who was such an, a vital part of sure. their offense and their defense over the last few years. They had Caleb Love in their grasp briefly before he then decided, just kidding, I'm actually going to transfer to Arizona. Um, but in terms of their losses, they're kind of surprising. I mean, Long Beach State, you don't see that one coming. They lost to Memphis in the battle for Atlantis. They lost to Texas Tech, Oregon, Indiana. I mean, that's not necessarily, you know, murderer's a murderer's row, row yeah. of sorts. Very, very true. All right, time now for our Bell ring, bell Ringers, brought to you by Bell Weather, where timeless American fare takes a modern turn, located downtown on West Forsyth Street. Drew Locke touchdown pass to Jackson Smith and Jigba gives Seahawks the lead. Locke, end zone, it is caught, touchdown Seattle, Smith and Jigba. He drops down, Locke recognizes that he's got one-on-one, and it's just, there's nothing really to the route other than he's just running a flat go route. And Smith and Jigba, that's a great job of, of reeling it in. Tremaine Edmonds pick six for a 45-yard score, his third interception in four games. Flacco on first down over the middle, and it's intercepted. Off the deflection, it's Tremaine Edmonds. Edmonds on the move. Flacco trying to make the stop. He can't do it, and Edmonds is in with a pick six. He had his third interception of the year last week. His fourth puts six on the board and gives the Bears the lead. Rob Dillingham leads Kentucky past North Carolina in the final minutes of the CBS Sports Classic. Dillingham loves to go. Oh, reverse <laughs> off the window. How about that? That hidden shoulder. Faith is always coming for the right hook. Withers misses. Shepard another rebound in the outlet to Dillingham. And the finish on the other end. The kid sees everything. All right, I'm clearly not a Seahawks fan, but to me, the story of Drew Locke is, and the Seahawks in general, incredible. The fact that they were mm-hmm. able to resuscitate Geno Smith's career has yeah. been awesome. And then you have Drew Locke, who didn't know he was playing until he got to the stadium last night against the Eagles. I understand the Eagles have lost a couple games, but it's still the team that went to the Super Bowl representing the NFC last season. Drew Locke steps in. It wasn't perfect. But my goodness, to throw that ball towards the end with like 28 seconds left to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Then his emotional press conference after I thought was just fantastic. The whole thing, I loved it all. And so congrats to him. Yeah, and credit to Miss Lisa Salters because uh, the follow-up question Mm -hmm. was phenomenal. And that is journalism 101 right there. Recognizing and observing that there clearly was more and asking the follow-up question even if the script doesn't call for it, even if they're saying, hey, you only have X amount of time left. No. 
clearly she knew something was there. And when you get that emotion out of a guy who, again, hadn't played, hadn't started a game, and how many? I mean, I know obviously last week with Geno, but he hadn't led a game-winning drive. And I believe it was like 1,100 days or something like that since like 2017 or 28 or 28. I mean, he was written drafted. off completely yeah. by the Broncos. And right. so once that happens, I mean, we talk always about the ascending quarterbacks and we talk about the ones who haven't been playing as well, right? Mm-hmm. And oh, could they be a franchise quarterback? We'll talk about Justin Fields, I'm sure, for months this offseason. We don't really ever talk about the guys that eventually become backups and never heard from again. Like mm-hmm. we we see the jokes on Twitter from a guy like Chase Daniel who made all this money and, and he's funny about it, things yeah. like that. But we never really talk about like the what go the emotion and what goes through for someone who was thought to be potentially a franchise quarterback in the NFL to be basically left yeah. for dead and then to have a moment like that. I can only imagine you get all this attention your whole life being a quarterback and then one day you're no longer a person yeah. that anyone pays any attention to, yeah. yet you still work as hard, you still know the playbook as well as you should. And yeah. I really hope, by the way, that we're not having this conversation about the, you know, C.J. Beathard, I mean, if yeah. he, I'm yeah. hoping he doesn't have to play, in other words. Yeah, if yeah. we have to have the conversation about him playing super great, that's awesome, too. But I just, I felt for for Drew Locke and everything he's been through last night. It was funny, you spoke on Chase Daniel, because he tweeted, because we've seen a ton of backup quarterbacks this Correct. year, obviously. I saw and that. he was like, dang, it was the wrong year yes, to stop. To retire, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that was really was funny. funny. And, and he has other funny tweets about that, like, yeah. you know, being just realistic with the situation. Like, yeah, yeah I, I made a lot of money in this league, but I wasn't a starting quarterback. Yeah. But it, it's just, in the end, like, I just, I loved it for him, for his mm-hmm. family, for, you know, everybody who supported him along the way. Because that's hard too, right? Like, the wives of guys who never are going to play in the NFL, but they're on practice squads and yeah. they're supportive the whole time. Like, I just think there's a lot that goes on in the NFL that obviously we're only going to talk about the players that are going to be making tons of money and the wins and the losses and things like that. But there's so many other storylines. And me, I'm sure there's guys in the locker room that on the Jaguars roster even, no one ever talks to them. Like, they don't very often play. Like, let's take, for example, Shaq Quarterman, Mm -hmm. who I think most people would say has one play in his NFL career Mm -hmm. that they can think of off the top of their heads, obviously against the Titans in Nashville last year to knock the ball out of Derrick Henry's hands. Uh, That kind of started the really good end of the season for the Jaguars. Other than that, like, there's not a lot else to write home about necessarily. I'm sure he does great on special teams and all that. But, like, that's an an example of someone who was a star at Miami, as J.J. certainly well knows. And now he's been a backup in the league. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And uh, I'm sure he would tell you, and I know Daniel Thomas, speaking of special team stars for the Jags, got a ton of love. He's somebody else I forgot to mention in the positives. That it's okay to not be the star in the NFL, if you can mm-hmm. play special teams, if you can bring quality depth yep. to a roster, if you could be a professional, know where you're supposed to be, you will play in the league for 10 or 12 years. And just because you were a star at the collegiate level, it doesn't always translate. And in in reverse, you have guys like Max Crosby, who played at smaller schools, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald, who was an afterthought at Pitt, and now you look at where they rank among the best in the league. And so it's not always just because – it's tough to your point, like mentally probably to wrap your head around it. But I think more and more you're seeing guys that say, Hey, I just want to feed my family and I want to play ball. And so you find a way to stick into the league. And obviously drew Locke, to his credit said, you know what? I'll be the best backup I can be. And when my opportunity is called, I'll be ready. And ditto to Joe Flacco for what it's Mm -hmm. worth, because there was plenty, there have been plenty of other starters that once they were no longer a starting quarterback said, Mm -hmm. I'm out. See you later. But Joe Flacco said, you know what? I can adapt. I will be a backup. And I will therefore, um, be playing for the Cleveland Browns at age 38 and potentially leading them to the playoffs.
That's the crazy part right now. The Jaguars yeah. as a four seed will be taking on the Cleveland Browns as the five seed, and they really scare me. All right, we've talked enough about mine. Uh, Taylor, you were in person at yours. We're going to get to your trip uh, up to Cleveland in a second, but that moment had to feel really good. So funny story about this moment. Um, I was in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, okay, so we had the Bears got the ball. Nothing happened out of that offensive drive. And I was like, man, I, I didn't want to go at halftime. It was right after halftime. And I didn't want to go because obviously the lines and stuff are crazy at half. So I was like, I'll go right at the beginning of the second, I mean, of the third quarter that way. And where our seats were, it was almost perfect. Like you literally like walk down the stairs right there and it's behind. So it's not like I had to go too far. And I was like, I'll just go right at the start of the second. And so I was about to go, but then we got the ball to start the second half. So I was like, well, I'll just go after this offensive drive. And I mean, jetted right after, and I'm sitting in. Obviously, they have the play-by-play on in the bathroom, so I'm, like, sitting there, and I hear him go, Joe Flacco, deep down the middle, it's picked off. And I literally just started, like, screaming in the bathroom, and I'm, like, trying to get my pants up really fast. I was like, I got to go. And, like, when I walked out, there was, like, one Bears fan, this girl sitting right outside the stall, and she was like, yes. And we, like, high-fived. And I'm, like, running up the stairs to try to get back to my friends up there. That is awesome. I missed it, but I also am so Did you wash your hands? I don't actually think I did (laughs) um, because I was running out. And then she just high-fived a bunch of people. Yeah, I was like, hey, guys. (laughs) But I also – so I missed that – but I'm so superstitious. Also, I sit back down and I was like, I got to go back to the yeah, bathroom. Yeah, I the truly, rest of the game. yeah. I was like, I, I might have to go too. sit in the bathroom because <laughs> if something bad happens, like, I was like, if this starts going the opposite way, I can't sit here right now because that was like the most exciting thing that had happened so far that game, other than Justin's touchdown, like, very early in the game to commit. And it, after that, it was just like a long list of nothing. And th- but then things kept picking up. Tyreek Stevenson got another pick, and it was looking good. Obviously, I'm sure everyone's seen by now how the game ended, so it wasn't yes. good towards the end. But I was like, man, I, I missed the pick, and I was like, I missed a pick six. And all my even my friends when I came back, they're like, go back, go back down there. <laughs> and I was like, believe me, I want to, but I'm not sitting in the bathroom the whole time. I pay- I paid for these tickets. Right, exactly. <laughs> I can only imagine like a security guard being anywhere near the bathroom and then hearing the screaming, yeah. being like, He's like, is everything need, okay? <laughs> we need help to the ladies' restroom and section, whatever. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Mia, your college basketball that featured Brad Nessler. Yeah, I had to give a uh, old foyer Lewican. Uh, uh, friend of the program and listener and, of course, diehard Kentucky fan some love uh, because he told me back in September that Rob Dillingham would be the best of the freshmen as John Calipari leaned back into, I'm just going to go get McDonald's All-Americans who are one and dones. Mm-hmm. I'm done with the transfer portal outside of a couple acquisitions here and there. And a lot of people wanted to pump up DJ Wagner, which was obviously a big recruiting win for Kentucky because his grandfather was on the Louisville staff. And then Calipari swooped in and got his dad on the Kentucky staff, and then they get him to Kentucky. And so um, he was the hyped guy. Uh, a couple other members of that Kentucky rookie cl- or freshman class regarded as potential number one overall pick. Rob Dillingham was an afterthought out of North Carolina, and now he's their best player. Um, and oh. Kentucky with a big win over North Carolina was an epic game. Unfortunately, ended essentially with North Carolina um, pulling a Jags, if you may, uh, throwing the ball off of one of their teammates. Um, yeah, I forget if it was Godot or if it was R.J. Davis, but was dribbling up the court, thought his guy was turned around, passes him the ball, bounces off his back. Oh, no. Armando Baycock comes running in to try to corral the loose ball. Backcourt violation, steps over the line. 
and then Kentucky Ouch. just shoots free throws the rest of the way to win the game. Oh. Um, so obviously uh, a disappointing loss for the Tar Heels, but it was a great game between two Blue Bloods, two teams that, you know, top 15, top 25 in the country. And uh, it was great to see that as well as a top five showdown between Purdue and Arizona and Indianapolis. How wild is this? The city of Indianapolis hosted that top five showdown simultaneous to the Steelers and the Colts game down the street, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, that is wild. But if anyone can do it, it's Indianapolis. They've got the infrastructure to be able to handle all that. All right. uh, By the way, Michigan up 15 and nine on Florida currently. Florida is typical in this good rebounding team, bad shooting team. So we'll see if that gets fixed. All right, I want to hear more about Taylor's trip when we come back. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyler on 10XL and 92.5 FM. Stilettos and Sabermetrics. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. It is a Tuesday evening here on 10XL 92.5 FM. Taylor Dahl, you recently went to Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, First, I want to find out, obviously you went for the Bears game, Mm -hmm. Bears-Browns game, but I want to find out how did you just select the Mistake by the Lake to visit in December? Uh, well, number That's one. That's not judging. Yeah, just yeah. an actual question. Number one, I like winter games. Okay. So I usually do, I usually try to do Chicago for a winter game because Makes I sense. like having that fair weather is what we call it. Um, but. This year, it ended up honestly kind of happening random. I had a friend that was already going to the game, and he was like, oh, I'm going to a Week 15 game against the Browns uh, at Cleveland. And I was like, that's cool. Like, it's right before my birthday, so maybe I can, like, make something happen, blah, blah, blah. Kind of from there, it just ended up happening. Um, so that's why, because the whole time, every time we were there and someone was like, oh, you know, where are you guys from? And I was like, oh, we came up from the Bears game for the Bears game, but we live in Florida. And they were like, why did you come to Cleveland, Ohio? And this is people that like live there. They're like, why did you come to Cleveland, Ohio on your birthday vacation? And I, so when I would go explain, they're like, okay, I get it, I guess. Um, but it honestly, it was fun. And to be completely honest, the weather wasn't too much different than what it was here that weekend. Um, maybe a little colder. Was that your first but, time to Cleveland in general? Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah. I had never been in Ohio in general. Um, and then even though I actually have family that lives there now, but I've never been. And so first time, but we did pro football hall of fame. That was fun. Uh, we were kind of talking about it. You and I, Lauren, before the show, and I was just talking about how different it is like summertime and winter because it was very not empty. There were still people, but I still had the opportunity to see everything I wanted to see and take my time and listen to like all the little exhibits they have. And they have interactive stuff you can do. Like they had, I don't know if you saw it, but they have the one where you go in and you watch like replays and you call if it like what the penalty is or oh, what nice. the call no, is. no, I didn't see that. So it's kind of cool cuz it looks like that little booth that sometimes uh-huh. they get in and so it'll it has like different breakdowns you can do and then you click it and it shows the play and then it will tell you like what the call on the field was and then you watch it and say if it was, you know, confirmed or reversed or I whatever. Like that. So it's kind of cool. Um just they have a lot of little little things like that. They have another where you like put the helmet on and you listen to what it would sound like if the coaches were if you're getting the quarterback and you were getting a play call. They're like, um, don't kneel or don't spike it. Don't spike <laughs> it. <laughs> Keep going. Run the play. Yeah. Uh, so when we went to Taylor's point, when we went in August of last year, uh, because it was during the enshrinement week, mm-hmm. it was so crazy packed. Like literally you couldn't walk one step without running into people every which way whether that was in the main part like you're talking about in the exhibit part 
or obviously like where the bus were, it was like you couldn't, you had to say excuse me like a hundred times. Excuse, excuse me, me, excuse, excuse me. me. Sorry, I'm going to go that, no, you want to go that way? Okay, let me, Um. oh, and then you want your picture taken, but now there's like 15 but people in the way. Around, and, like, yeah. Yeah, for me, that it was very overwhelming. I think it would be much better the time you went. Well, and such a big part of it, there's a lot of reading. So like a lot of the exhibits that you want to look at or yes. like it has explanations Correct. of why this specific jersey is there or these shoes or whatever. And so if you don't have time to sit there and actually like read all of these things on there, it's probably not nearly as cool because yeah, you don't understand why someone's like a cloth is hanging up on the thing. Correct. You know? And I made a huge mistake when we went to, so I had just gotten these new shoes, like not, they're like nice sneakers or whatever. They're, um, you know, not actual tennis shoes, but like a nicer version. Anyway. Fashion sneakers. That's what I guess you'd call them. Fashion Well, sneakers. I didn't have, I didn't know that you're supposed to wear like those little socks underneath. I thought mm-hmm. you just, because everyone I see wearing them just doesn't wear socks. On. and yeah. so, Or you can't actually see their socks even though they are. So I had these, ma- like we walked all the way around, whatever, walked a lot. I had these massive blisters oh, no. on my heels. You mean just Keds? They're, so they're not Keds. They're like... Allbirds? They're no. So, have you ever <laughs> seen? There are very expensive ones. These are not the Sparrows. ones I have. They're called golden gooses, and they're like six hundred dollars. Okay. Those are not the ones that I have. Okay. But they are a. Ver- they're supposed to they be have like the star on them. Correct. They're supposed okay. to be like a knockoff of golden. JJ, have you ever heard of golden gooses? I'm looking them up right now. I okay. Haven't. So they're made, I think, in Italy, and they're expensive. Like I said, I have the like the Off much. Brand. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I have the version that silver costs- geese. Silver key, no, minor, but yeah, basically. Uh, and so anyway, that was, I was, I had gotten those and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to wear these around Canton and like, they're going to be cool and learn my lesson. And so immediately I went to Amazon. Once my girlfriend told me, she's like, no, you have to buy those like no-show socks. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, now I wear them all the time. I have no blisters, but that also, no offense to the pro football you were, your feet were hurting. My, I yeah. was bleeding. My, yeah. And then thankfully this golf cart literally appeared like out of the blue, it was he was an angel. And as soon as we finished the Football Hall of Fame, he was like, would you like a ride to your car? We never had seen this any yeah. golf carts giving anyone rides. And I was like, this man knows I saw you were pain. in pain. Yeah, and that, literally I had blood on my ankles. But anyway, continue Anyways. about your trip, please. Yeah, so there was one, obviously, um, this was just a little funny side story from that because in it they have Mike Thomas's, one of Mike Thomas's jerseys in there. And it was from the Hail Mary that uh, Gerard had thrown to him nice. in 2010. Okay. And so I screened, I took a picture of it, I sent it to Gerard, and I was like, hey, I was like, did you know you'd end up in the Hall of Fame when you were throwing that Hail Mary? And he was he replied, he goes, never, I just didn't want an interception (laughs) (laughs) which is understandable I was at that game uh and that was one of the most fun Jaguars games I've ever attended now that was well before I worked in the industry yeah so it's always more fun when you go as a fan Mm -hmm. with friends uh but to end it like that was just so much fun and and so as I was thinking that I was like I wonder how many things in this building have our little moments like that for people. You know, like you have the big ones because a lot of them are obviously Pro Football Hall of Famers, but a lot of them are stories like that that include other quarterbacks or other Mm -hmm. people that helped these plays happen. And they're not technically maybe in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but they're in there and some... Is it Nathan Rourke's like sneakers or like his cleats or something? Are they fashion sneakers? No. (laughs) Golden Geese's. Well said. I think something from that preseason game. Or at least some something from some Jaguar player that was a little obscure. Maybe it was Riley Patterson from last year. Okay. Or maybe it was Agnew. I do something. faintly remember. Somebody, something went into the Hall of Fame last the year. The Agnew might have oh, gone. Was it Agnew? The 109-yard return. Oh, I think, oh, I think, I think that's what yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember seeing any Nathan Work stuff when we were there. I know. There I definitely was <laughs> because they had a CFL. 
Oh, mm -hmm. okay. I probably didn't see that part yep. of it. Yeah. Okay, so we've got lots of Jaguar stuff in there, including, of course, the oh, yeah. one and so only Oh, yeah, so it was Agnew. He can't, it, there, his cleats went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, that does um, not surprise me. By the way, 23-22 Michigan, one ooh. point ahead of Florida. So the ooh. game has gotten a lot closer Stand thanks nice. to Walt. I Walter just realized Jordan's it three. isn't Nathan Rourke we saw. It was E.J. Perry, ironically, re-signed to the practice squad today. Oh, yes. Because he had led um, his team to the USFL championship, and they had an exhibit for the USFL when we were there last, okay. last summer. Gotcha. They do have a, because there's, most of it is like the history of the ones that are actually like in the Pro Football right. Hall of Fame. But then they have this side that's like the modern Hall of Fame and it has just like records that have been broken recently. Like Justin Fields' cleats were in there where he had an insane amount of rushing and passing yards in one game. Um, and so that was kind of cool to see that. There was Did a few cry? moments. No, I didn't <laughs> cry. But every time I saw anything Packers, I was like, boo. And so like the few people that were in there would just look at me like, why is she booing? I was going to say, I'm surprised I didn't throw you out. Um, but it was cool. It's a cool experience. And like I said, if you, if you have the time to actually sit there and read and watch and listen, it's probably way more fun because, or like if you're going with a small child, probably not as fun because yeah. they're going to want to run around and do a bunch of stuff. Um, and you also clearly have to care about football enough to want to read a story from 1934 of, you know, certain things. They have like old um, documents of like when teams were sold and it'd be like $1,200 for like Amazing. this or like player contracts from the 1920s where they're like, we'll give you 10 cents for every like rushing yard you get the seat. Like, I think that's, it was even high. It was something crazy. One of them where I was like, man, these guys are probably like, if any of these men right. that were in like thirties, forties are reading contracts now, they're probably like, man, I played in the wrong era. They probably are not alive. Yeah. But yes, there's some ones be. up there that maybe possibly are very, but like, for example, Virginia McCaskey, she was born the year the bears came around like 1922. I think it was so like two years after the bears came around, to think what Virginia McCaskey has seen mm -hmm. through the time of football is honestly insane. And there's so much bears in there, obviously, because they've been around since the start. And so just stories that were in there between her and between George Hallis and obviously Lambeau and all of these men that you're just like, man, like they the reason we're doing what we're doing today is because these people were like, we want to play this competitive game and how much it's changed is crazy, too. But it was fun. Yeah. So that was the first day. And then obviously Sunday was the game. Um, but there was a bar that I went to on Saturday night that I was like, Lauren would love this place because it was like a, a country bar. Okay. And so when we first came in, it was just a guy by himself playing I would like love acoustic, it. but yep. all of the songs that you and I would love. Um, and then a full band came out after him, but it was all country music. Nice. Everyone, it was so much fun. We had a blast. I kept going back between that one and then this other place that was like a dueling piano bar. I love dueling but piano bars. They were as playing well. all types. Of, they did a lot of requests. So like if you kind of Nashville, where it's like if you mm -hmm. tip them, they'll yep. play your song type of thing. Was it twenty dollars? Like it is in Nashville? It wasn't actually. And okay. they didn't say amount. They were just like, hey, tip us. You. Give a you know, show us your request or you put it on the piano and they'd play it. So they were doing like everything from country to rap to like 50s yeah, music awesome. to modern music and everyone was up dancing. It was it was so much fun. Like I kept going back because I'd be here for a few songs and they'd go on break and I'd be like, all right, let's go back to this other bar. Um, but it was a blast. And then Sunday ended unfortunate. But were it, you in your seats or in the bathroom for the end of the game? I was in my seat, actually. <laughs> oh, no. But I was sitting because I was so mad. If you were in the bathroom, you would have caught that ball. I know. <laughs> that's what I'm, I know. That's Wait, why I asked. This is, this is even better, where, where Taylor was on the final play. I was sitting because I was so mad. Again, another blown lead. Like, this is the third one that the Bears have blown that was, like, 
13 points or more and with less than 10 minutes left in the game. And so there, I remember at one point they're up by 10. I look, there's like 8.45 left, and I was like, too much time. I don't trust anything that's happening. Not that the defense has actually been playing really well, but for some reason it just has ended up like weird things have happened at the end of games to just flip things. So I was just so mad. So they come back. They're they're up three. They hit that field goal at the end. They're winning by three points. I'm so mad. I'm just like sitting in my seat. It's the third and whatever at this point, and also only had to get Justin had to get like eight yards for us to get in field goal range to just tie it. Yeah, and so. As soon as I saw the play, I was like, why are they doing that? I don't understand what they're doing. There was a lot of time left. I know. And I, so I was so – but I was so confused by all the play calling during the entire game. That's like, like we do not like Luke Getzey in Chicago. He makes terrible play calls. Every time we had, like, a third and short yardage, we'd be in, like, shotgun or something weird to where you're automatically losing, like, seven, eight yards when you just needed two to start, and it was just so weird. But anyway, so I'm sitting there in my seat – like arms crossed, just like I'm so angry right now. Everyone's standing up because they're clearly you can tell Justin throw Justin's about to just throw this down the field. And so I see everyone around me kind of be like, oh, oh, oh. And I'm sitting, I'm like, I don't even want to see what's happening right now. And then I hear everyone go, Oh my God. Oh no. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> so I like I stood up and they're showing the replay up on the thing. Well, I see the Browns guy running back with the ball. And I'm like, what did I miss? And Kyle was like, my friend that I was with, he goes, Mooney almost got it. It was in his hands. And he was like, literally, he's like, it, is, it was in his effing hands. It was in his effing hands. And like everyone around, it was a few Bears fans, but the whole row in front of us, like about peed themselves. Like they turned around and they were like, if he would have caught that, I don't even know like what we would have done. And I was like, oh, so they play it and you see it bounce like in his hands. And then it bounces out, gets kicked into the defender's hands. It was just like this moment of, so it was just crazy. Because the defender did exactly what you're taught to do, oh, yes. which yeah. is hit it down, but he didn't right. know a guy would just be laying on the ground. Right. Yeah. Yes. yeah, it's crazy that he didn't catch it, honestly, because like, I was yeah. watching it live and was really surprised because thankfully they went to that game after uh, the other games were kind of blowouts in that early window. But I so I hate to ask this question, but isn't it almost better for the Bears to not win a game like that just well, as no, far as draft position? They were t I mean, if you're looking at that, but most – weren't right now because okay. technically they've been playing really really good especially defensively like the first seven games of the season they had almost no sacks only six picks in the last seven games they have 12 interceptions as a team their their sacks have doubled they're holding they're rushing they're the best rushing defense in the league right now it, everything has like started to get better um even offensively they've been able to start figure, even despite Getzey were scoring points and you felt like things were starting to click. They were in the hunt. Like you're only a game out of a, from a lot of teams okay. that were in the NFC. Both the Packers had lost. Uh, both teams you needed to lose had lost that day. And so if they won, they would technically be not even a full game back out of okay. the wild card. So that's where a lot of our minds were not at the draft pick because we have Carolina's pick. So no right, matter what, right. we're going to have a top five pick. Um, but it was so, it was just one of those moments where I was like, it's so depressing because it was just you were leading almost the entire game, and then that happens. But um, it is what it is. It's Bears football, and I feel like at this point I'm kind of used to it. <laughs> it's just it's harder when you pay all the money and yeah. you go and you sit in yeah. you know the enemy territory, so to speak. Yeah. And you are leading the whole game, and so at some yeah. point in time you tell yourself like, oh my gosh, we actually are going to win this football game. Yeah. And then to have it the lead escape and yeah. then yeah and Ugh. it was there was also several moments where like I've posted on Twitter because they've made me so mad but like there was one play the first touchdown they had and Joku was out of bounds 
clear. You can see it in the video. You can see his foot out of bounds. Iberflus didn't challenge it, so that was a touchdown. That shouldn't have been. Then there don't was don't they cha- like you don't have to challenge a touchdown, right? Like they, every scoring play can, is challenged. Uh, well, reviewed, they didn't yeah. do anything because it was clearly, and they weren't showing it up on the board either, and they kept, like, ignoring showing the play <laughs> up on the board, but you can clearly see it. Like, his foot was out of bounds. Everyone was like, he toe-tapped, and I was like, you could see in the video he was out of bounds. But anyways, aside from that, that was towards the beginning. And then there was another play where Justin got hit, I mean, like, three seconds after he threw the ball, and it ended up getting picked off, and I'm putting that in air quotes because when now when you look at the video, the ball hits the ground. Iberflus didn't challenge that, so that was technically an interception on Justin, but it didn't get – it wasn't an interception and got caught. Mm-hmm. So there was just so many moments like that where it was like I never got comfortable because I was like things are not going the way like we want them to go at this moment. And, it, and the it, Browns just, have this sort of lucky charm, kind of like the Bengals yeah, do right now. right now. It's annoying. And they're, and they're home. That obviously adds a little extra. For them, that was like they clinched the play. They were like, okay, we're going to be in the playoffs if they win this game, so it was important for them. It was so windy. It, I, it was. I felt like I was gonna blow over the side of the stadium. Honestly, but <laughs> I hate you know, that. I felt so for windy. Jags fans Sunday night because it was very windy. I mean, you could tell based off of the flags. By the way, thanks to Micah Hanlogton's three recently uh, and recent block too. Florida up thirty. I mean, sorry, Florida down thirty to twenty nine in Michigan. But uh, they've been hanging in there again. I didn't say Michigan was this great team by any means, but. Florida has been all over the place this season, so we will keep you updated. We've got one segment to go before we turn it over to Rick Blue here on Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyrell at Untucked XL and 92.5 FM. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. All tied up between Florida and Michigan right now, 35 all until, just kidding, Michigan just scored. So it's 37 for Michigan, 35 for Florida. This game has been really fun to watch, though, so far. Uh, All right, so you hear this Christmas song. Well done, JJ, because we're going to talk about our favorite holiday traditions. Love it. Mia, what's your number one favorite holiday tradition? Well, running around in my elf costume. Okay. That's a given. Um, Now, how long has that been going on? So the elf costume originated in its original form in the sixth grade. Oh, okay. Um, Way back. It was my Halloween costume, my childhood best friend, who, mind you, at the time and still to this day, um, is probably 90 pounds soaking wet. Um, okay. And so she was Santa, and uh, <laughs> and I was the elf. And we bounded about the neighborhood, and people thought it was very cute. Her mom is an artist, and so she actually designed my elf costume. And then senior year. You still wear that one to this day. We're going to get to that. (laughs) Um, Senior year of high school. um, I don't know if you guys do this, but like senior for hire. Have you heard of that? It's like a fundraiser where like the underclassmen bid on the seniors and they make them all dress up as part of homecoming week. And then like they take the money and put towards like homecoming parade and stuff, whatever. Um, So uh, my sister bought me and my friends and made us elves. So we dressed up as elves because I already had the costume. And then I got to college and I don't know what inspired it, but like I was coming back from holiday break from Thanksgiving break and I'm like packing up to head back to Ithaca. And I guess someone had asked about the the elf costume. And so I was like, oh, I'll bring it and I'll wear it to your holiday party. And uh, and so it was the same one from the sixth grade. At this point, I am 19 years old <laughs> and uh, I wore it and people loved it. And so then throughout college, that is next... incredible that you could wear the same. Yes. Costume. And so th- for, for the next four years, um, people, <laughs> people I could not have at any point in time. People in would pay me in food and booze um, okay. to come to their holiday parties in Ithaca. I did do a couple of like philanthropic stuff, too. Like we did a thing um, at the president 
Simon's house um, of, Ithaca, of Ithaca for like the, you know, un- underprivileged kids. Mm-hmm. And like we did like face painting and stuff. And so they asked me like, will you come as the elf? And like, you know, we'll bring somebody in as Santa. So I did do like some philanthropic stuff too. It wasn't just like me going to parties and like people were taking pictures with me. Um, and then when I got to Iowa, same thing. We did a couple of uh, things with the Iowa Children's Hospital and a couple others. And it was around the time that we started really partnering with Iowa Children's Hospital on like a professional basis that my mom was like, okay, um, you're 23. Um, you're wearing a costume from when you were 12. And so uh, she surprised me when I came home for Thanksgiving. This was in 2016 and had a Nordstrom onesie elf costume for oh. me and that is the one that i wear to this, this is day the, oh right Taylor. Yeah. yes so that is the origin story of the elf costume which we do have met multiple other costumes um i also have a rudolph costume my sister has a santa onesie um they're all onesie like yeah francesco's or Nords. like they're very nice but oh yeah we we got the costumes Fascinating. There have, costumes have never been a part of my family's traditions. Taylor, what's your like? Not one? even the pajamas and the matching pajamas. We do no, that no yeah. matching pajamas either. Was that in time? That was incredible. Okay, Florida just took the lead with a last second heading shot. Into the break. In the, yeah, heading into oh, heading into halftime. Florida's up thirty-eight, thirty-seven. I'm sure they'll show a replay. Uh, I would watch. Uh, that was really impressive. But was um, it Mark Davis Jr.? <laughs> it was not. It was not. I. I uh, that was Zion Pullen, number okay. zero. But here we go. Here's the here's the end of the game or end of the half sequence. So stolen away under the It was, the and then there's by the, by Mark Davis Jr. It was yes, Mark by Davis. Condon, <laughs> and then Alex a half Condon, court, the Australian. just half court heave for Poland. Yeah, really fun to watch uh, that. Yeah, good basketball. Yeah, really um, good. So but yeah, for yeah. my winter uh, Christmas, ours was honestly kind of always chaotic because we have a ton of birthdays right around Christmas. Too. Yes, happy early birthday to Thank you, you. Yes. and happy third birthday today to my dog Keaton. Oh, Keaton, happy birthday. He's three today, I know. Um, Yeah, because my brother's birthday is in December. My birthday is in December. My cousin AJ's birthday is in December. My mom's is like right in the beginning of January. So there was always so much going on that it was kind of chaotic and things were a little bit hectic for holidays for us. But younger especially, it's a little difficult now because like cousins have kids and Mm -hmm. other cousins have kids and we are – all kind of all over the place now but the, my favorite part back then was that was the one time of year that we got to all like we'd usually do a beach house uh usually in St. George Island over in the Panhandle rent a beach house cousins aunts uncles my grandparents brothers sisters we'd all go out there and just spend the long weekend out there um it wasn't as much about like presents then because that we were they were all spending money to be able to afford this for all of us to be together so it was more so just about being able to like see your cousins and everybody hang out um, and that was always my favorite thing. It, like I said, it's died down a little bit now because now my cousins all have between the combination of them, like 16 kids and it's just <laughs> a little crazy. Yeah. Um, but that was always fun. So now at least you do try, at least some of them try to get to my grandparents' house. So rather than going and renting this beach, this big beach house, they do try to make that the one time a year where you do try and get, um, a little, as many people together as you can. So that's always a good part because it's ones you don't see all year long. And then you get to see the little kids that you saw last year that were babies now a little bit older and starting to talk and walk and do all of those things. So like my cousin Christopher is coming um, this weekend and he's the one that lives in Chicago. I haven't seen him in a couple years. So things like that. For me, it's a lot of family, just being able to see family since we're kind of all over the place. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and no costumes though? 
No costumes. And maybe we were never you like start a tradition. Yeah, maybe. We were never They're big. essentially pajamas when it comes down to it. Right. So I mean if you're gonna do the matching PJs, yeah. why not make a costume? Yeah. Yes. And we were never PJ matching PJs either. Like we we would be the ones where you get up first thing and do presents like right when you wake up, but we all kind of had our own little yeah. pajamas that we'd want to wear. I would say mine has always been decorating a a real, I hate to say real, but like an actual Christmas tree, yeah. not the, and the artificial ones are fine too. It's just in my family growing up, we always had the, you real, know, tree. the, the real tree. Yeah. The, the tree with the sap, the, yeah. <laughs> which I love from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, but yeah, like Christmas music on and you get to look at the ornaments and you get to reminisce about like, oh, this is, you know, from when you were a baby yeah. or what have you and different memories that you make or whatever. But the last couple of years, we haven't had a tree because we had a puppy and we were oh. terrified that he, because he eats, he used to eat stuff, not as much anymore. But we were scared that while we were gone, he would attack the Christmas the tree. tree. And then obviously there's ornaments that can't be yeah, swallowed right. by a dog. So this is the first year since we've had him that we were able to get a tree again and he hasn't messed it up. One time though, his tail did actually get attached to one of the branches oh, no. and he no. was Freaked not, out. yeah, he did not like it. But the good news is because that happened, I think now he just avoids the Christmas yeah. tree. He's like, it cost. attacked me. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. But I just, I love that stuff. And I have a lot of ornaments from my grandfather mm -hmm. and after he passed away, I got his. And so it's just, it's fun to reminisce on those years, you know, when, like you said, family was all together yeah. and. You've lost loved ones, you know, over the years or whatever, but it's nice to to at least like put on Andy Williams. It's yeah. the most wonderful time of the year and, and go back to those times in your mind. All right, let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Rick, how was... uh? The aftermath on your show last night after the Jags lost to the Ravens. Um, I think they got angry at me. Oh, because it's I your was fault. like, yes, <laughs> I was like, um, why are you so upset? You won ninety seven and two sixty seven lifetime. If you go twelve and if you go uh, uh, twelve and twelve and five for the next ten years, you'll be five hundred. Uh, people around here are acting like this is the Patriots of. 20 years, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm just yep. trying to trying to figure it out. I mean, you want to you went to an NFC championship game in 96 and 99 and then you went to one in uh in January of 2018 and last year you were one game above 500, but a lot of these fans are acting like this should be a 13-14 win club and I'm just trying to understand why that is. If this was a blue blood college program around here, I get it because sure. there's been that success. Mm -hmm. This is a losing franchise. And so, yeah, I, I, I think I upset quite a few listeners last night. So tonight, I'm going to take some punches. I'm going to oh. open up the phone lines. Okay. I'm going to turn some things around. And um, I, I think I'm going to give them what they want. Uh, that's a piece of me. But, but. <laughs> By coming out and saying it that Mondays way. Mondays are the worst around here. After they, a Jags they really loss, are. They I like, but, we, we have a, a couple UNF students looking to shadow, and I, and they wanted to come in on a Monday. I'm like, you really don't want to be here in case the Jags lose on a Monday. <laughs> like, I'm just telling you right now. But do you remember the way it was earlier this year when the Jags won? Mm -hmm. And that's, oh, part yeah. of my, that's part of my deal with this. People are the, angry. The, the complaints that were coming yeah. in when they won. And again, I'm sitting there trying to say to myself, you're, you're one game above 500 all of last year, and you're acting like, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s or the Dallas Cowboys of the 90s. And I'm just, 
I love the listeners, but I'm just trying to figure out how all of a sudden this thing yeah. changed compared to an organization that two years in a row had the top pick in the draft. And I'm kind of glad and I'm very excited to listen to tonight's program on my drive home, Rick, because I can tell you from conversations I've had, I mean, after even the 49ers loss, like obviously, you know, they got taken to the woodshed mm-hmm. and they got blindsided. But the vibe in the front office and in the locker room was, yeah, that was bad. But, like, look how passionate our city is. And we know what our Mm -hmm. team is. We know they'll bounce back. We also know this is a young team. And I know there's a lot of listeners that don't want to hear that. But this is something they believe they're developing and building, hopefully, towards that. As opposed to, we need to win the Super Bowl this year. Although, obviously, that should always be the goal. Yeah, it should always be the goal. I I didn't think it was realistic. Uh, I, when we all did things mm-hmm. in in your office, yep, social May. media, I I went ten and seven, yeah. and I got crushed. And you're didn't we have a sixteen and one? We did, that and was, a fifteen no, and two. No, I was fifteen yeah. and two. Tony Smith was sixteen, 16 and I, one. Yeah. I mean, there were people asking for my job because I said <laughs> ten and seven. And, and guess what? You made go me the high. closest to the reality. <laughs> yeah, go and then high JJ next and time. I did it right before the start of the year. We did it on that, you know, the first yep. week. Yeah. And uh, I you had ten and seven then too. No, JJ and I ended up what both eleven and six, right? JJ, yeah, so both are within the realm yeah, of possibility. We have right that now. chance. So you know, I love it, and and I, I you know, I, I'll, I'll push a button here and there just to to try to get um, a, a little bit of reaction uh, from them. It's going to happen. There's going to be a day when this organization's going to win a Super Bowl. They have a quarterback, um, but I don't think that they can get there without completely developing an offensive line, and they can't run. They're 26th in the NFL. That is scary. I think that's the biggest problem. That's something else I'm going to bring up tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of take this into what I think the listeners want to hear after last night's conversation. So it should be a whole heck of a lot of fun. All right. Sounds good. We'll be listening. Thanks, such a, such an awesome girl, but yeah. what a terrible sweater. <laughs> what is that? Is that, is that Gator or is that Syracuse this or is, is that Tennessee? This is for the Bruins. Is that Miami Hurricane? <laughs> it does look like Bruins color. What that's why that? it's ugly. This is Bruins Oh, that's colors. Boston Bruins? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here we go. You that's what, Boston I take, earlier this year. I take it back. <laughs> yeah. That's a great sweater. Uh, yeah, it's yellow, blue, not it's orange. It's yellow, but I should be wearing orange and blue. All right, that's going to do it for us. For me, O'Brien, for Taylor Dahl, for JJ Selva. I'm Lauren Brooks. Don't go anywhere into the night with Rick Blue. Comes up next right here on 10 to Excel, 92.5 FM.